Good morning and happy Wednesday to you. It is November 16th. You know, I had to pause for a moment here. I just realized we are now halfway through the month of November. This year is coming to a close pretty fast. But the wonderful thing is that no matter how fast the year comes to a close and no matter how far we are into November, the day belongs to the Lord. So let's give our entire day to him. We pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. Through the mercy of God, may the souls of the faithful departed rest in peace. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's so good to be with you again, as it is every day. We've got some wonderful stuff in store for you today. We're going to continue our conversations with Doug Berry this week. And then also, how would you like to go to camp? What? It's November 16th, Adam. Who goes to camp in November? Well, we're not actually talking about going to camp in November, but we're going to visit with some uh, a wonderful couple from out in Colorado who run a camp called Camp Voitia. And uh, I think you'll you'll enjoy meeting them later on in the show. And, of course, the uh, Cataquiz, Daily Dose of Encouragement, all of that in store today. I have to tell you, I'm pretty excited about some things happening this week. I had the opportunity to have a, a Zoom call yesterday with Father Wade Menezes. It's been a while since we've had him on the show. His traveling schedule and my traveling schedule weren't syncing up for a few months there. And, and we finally connected. And, um, you know, if, if you pray for the souls in purgatory, you, you want to tune in tomorrow. And if you don't pray for the souls in purgatory, you want to tune in tomorrow. That is for sure. And then also we got a jump start yesterday on some things for next week, um, especially with the holiday. We'll have our annual post-Thanksgiving roadmap roundup next Friday. And it's going to be next week, Friday. It, it's going to be wonderful. We taped it yesterday. Um, we've got some great guests. That's all I'm going to say for now. It, it's going to be one worth putting on your radar screen. We'll send you reminders. I'll remind you every day next week. And we'll have it up on the podcast, too. But next week's going to be a good week. Speaking of Thanksgiving, are you ready for Thanksgiving? Are you thankful? Have you been taking note of what you're thankful for? One thing I am thankful for today is that the sun is shining as much as I enjoyed the snow yesterday. Uh, I'm enjoying the sunshine this morning. Let's find out what the rest of the day has in store for us weather-wise. We turn now to Mike Roberts. Today is the feast day of St. Margaret of Scotland. Born in Hungary in 1056, Margaret was the daughter of an exiled English prince. Because her father was a potential successor to the English throne, he was recalled to England when Margaret was still a child, but immediately died upon returning a death that was suspicious at best. Her brother Edgar was eventually proclaimed King of England, but was ousted by William the Conqueror, which once again forced Margaret and her family into exile. On their return to the continent, a storm pushed them towards Scotland, where the ship was shipwrecked. They were rescued and given protection by King Malcolm II. Malcolm fell in love with Margaret, and the two were married. They had six sons and two daughters, all of whom had great faith. Margaret personally supervised their religious instruction and other studies. She and Malcolm celebrated two Lents, one before Easter and the other before Advent. 
During these times, she always rose before midnight mass and on the way home would wash the feet of six poor persons and give them alms. She always surrounded herself with beggars in public and never refused them. It's recorded she never sat down to eat without feeding nine orphans and 24 adults. Margaret had a great love for the people of Scotland and came to be known as the Pearl of Scotland. But in 1093, King Rufus made a surprise attack on their castle. King Malcolm and his oldest son Edward were killed and Margaret, already on her deathbed, died four days later. St. Margaret of Scotland, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Prayer to the Blessed Virgin. Oh Mary, you desire so much to see Jesus loved. If you love me, this is the favor which I ask of you, to obtain for me a great personal love of Jesus Christ. You obtain from your Son whatever you please. Pray then for me that I may never lose the grace of God, and that I may increase in holiness and perfection from day to day. By that grief which you suffered on Calvary, when you beheld Jesus expire on the cross, obtain for me a happy death, that by loving Jesus and you, my mother, on earth I may receive the reward of loving and blessing you eternally in heaven. We're talking with Doug Barry this week about spiritual warfare and how to engage in it. So, you know, it's November, it's the month of the dead, and, you know, God willing, we're going to be in heaven. You know, maybe we're going to go to purgatory on the way. I'd be okay with that, but Michael, I'm setting the bar high, Doug. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to purgatory and then heaven. I want to I want to go to heaven. I want to live right, my life right. in that way. Uh, but that means we got to be very careful about how we live life on this earth. And for today's topic, we're talking about those spiritual landmines. And I just want to put it to you this way. My daughters all play soccer. They've been playing all fall. And one of the fields we had to go to earlier this fall, it's a great field, but to get to the field, you had to walk through this area of grass where there were all sorts of wildlife that you knew came out at night because there were piles of scat everywhere. And if you weren't paying attention to where you were walking, you were going to be hosing your shoes down before you got back in the car, or you were going to be riding barefoot with your shoes in a plastic bag or something because you were going to step on a landmine. And how often do we do this in the spiritual war that rages on around us that we just don't pay attention to what's going on, we think things are innocent, and then we end up stepping on a spiritual landmine? And there are a lot of them out there, and they've been, you could say, watered down. They've been embraced so wholeheartedly, even by Christians, by good Christians. And we're talking about things that can become massively destructive. You step on a landmine, it can it can... It can destroy you. It can really wreck things. Now, nothing is beyond God's healing, of course. As long as we have breath in our lungs, God's mercy is beyond our understanding. However, when we choose to step into these areas of life, these landmines, these portals that open us up to the diabolical, to spiritual problems, we can create so many areas of just chaos in our lives. And we're talking about things such as horoscopes, palm reading, seances, medians. Yoga is a big one, and a lot of people don't want to hear that. Yoga has an enormous amount of potential problem attached to it. You've got problems with things like Ouija boards, seances. I think we talk about anything like that, any kind of fortune telling at all. You know, anything we get into, and that's not the full list, everybody. 
But understand that anything, as the first commandment says, anything that we put trust into that is not of God, any of these types of things at all, witchcraft, you name it, all of this is a portal. All right. There are other things too. You know, things like pornography is a major portal that can open up. It's a major landmine that can create all kinds of chaos in a person's life. Using other things like, like, like contraception, birth control, these are other areas that create damaging portals and openings. They're landmines that can create tremendous destruction and chaos. If we don't take the time to know this, and if we don't take the time to study and realize how these things can work against us and destructive, be, be so destructive against us, we will find ourselves living a life running into this everywhere because it is everywhere. I think you were mentioning earlier of, a, of coffee shops that have palm reading, you know, on Saturday morning, <laughs> you're thinking, I think you said, I just want caffeine. What is the deal with this other stuff? So we have to go through life knowing you're driving down the road and there's some psychic shop over here. So my wife and I, there's a place we would drive by sometimes. And, you know, she would always just recite the Hail Mary in Latin as we drive by it, you know, which is, you know, beautiful, fantastic. I mean, these are things we need to be thinking about. These landmines, these portals, they're everywhere. If we don't know what they are and how they can dangerously and damagingly affect us, we are more likely to find ourselves in that chaos. So we've got to understand that and then be proactive in avoiding them. And if we've been involved in them, there may be some spiritual residue or attachment. See a priest and make a really good confession break any and all ties with that horoscopes fortune telling whatever if you've got books in your home that have this stuff in it ouija boards whatever you got to get rid of them don't sell them don't give them away destroy them everybody and this is a serious point destroy these these objects these things that have spiritual attachment that, that are so destructive we've got to get rid of them get them out of our lives I remember my kids came home from school one day with one of those origami, I think they call them fortune tellers, and it's just the thing you put on your thumbs and your index fingers and go back and forth, and there's numbers written on it. And I said, throw that out. And they're like, Dad, what are you talking about? I said, listen, what's the first commandment? And they said, well, I'm the Lord your God. You shouldn't have any other gods besides me. So I said, all right, is that piece of paper God? Well, no. Then why are you letting it tell you what's going to happen next in your life? Mm -hmm. It's not God. And like, what do you, yeah. you know, and after we finished the conversation, sure enough, they threw it out. I haven't seen one in our house since. Something no one ever told me when I was young. I mean, I had friends that they'd go to indoor recess if it was raining, and along with the, the checkers game and the, the chess game was the Ouija board right there in the stack of games. And yeah. it's like saying, here, go ahead and just play with something that can spiritually destroy you. No, we got to take it seriously, and we have to avoid these. You said once that. I think, I think it was Father Chad Ripperger who said this. The devil's not behind every tree. He's behind every other tree. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, why would we open the door to every other tree and say, well, come on in? You know, come on in, Satan. We, we'd love to have you in our lives. No. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Adam, it's important, I think, for all of us to remember that God has, has given us the, the, the beautiful angels, and they are nonstop trying to bring us to heaven. Nonstop. Their entire existence is trying to order our lives help us, encourage us, be there for us. Our free will is the determining factor, though, because of the way God has structured things. But that being said, there are diabolical angels, the fallen angels, nonstop, relentlessly trying to destroy us. I know there are people that go through life thinking, well, the devil will not attack me. Maybe that guy down the street, maybe that person over there, but not me. Are you kidding me? Nah, nah, I, I'm not a target because I'm a good guy or I'm a good girl. I'm doing the right thing. I'm going to church. Look, even St. John Vianney would talk about 
who knew confession very well, obviously, what an amazing saint regarding that, that those who think that it's the drunkards and the prostitutes, that they're the ones that are really horribly attacked by the demons, he said, no, that's not always the case. Oftentimes it's that clock in, clock out, so-called faithful, doing my job type of Catholic out there who are living in a state of apathy, a state of just complacency. They've given in. They're lukewarm. Remember what our Lord says, what Scripture says about lukewarm. You will be vomited out. That is a very, you think about the body vomiting, that's a violent reaction rejecting something. Lukewarm, if the devil can keep you and I lukewarm, he's got us. We don't have to be out there worshiping Satan. We don't have to be doing you know, you know, little small animal sacrifices and playing with Ouija boards. Those are all bad things. No question. Absolutely evil. But that's not always what the devil's looking for. Just keep you lukewarm. Keep you thinking, oh, he would never go after you. Then that shows that he's already got a grip on you. Yeah. It's, I've heard it said everybody thinks they're fine until they're not. And then what a what a terrible surprise it is. Doug, uh, I look forward to talking tomorrow about how we actually engage in this a little bit more. Until then, uh, keep praying that rosary, my friend. Amen. You too. Prayer of St. Clair of Assisi. God of mercy, you inspired St. Clair with a love of poverty. By the help of her prayers, may we follow Christ in poverty of spirit and come to the joyful vision of your glory in the kingdom of heaven. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. I know it's getting colder outside, but you might be thinking ahead to next summer and saying, I, I want to go camping. Although you might be saying, I want to go camping right now. I know people who like to camp in the winter. Well, one of the options for camp, depending on who you are, is a wonderful camp out in Colorado, Camp Wojtyla. And we are happy to be joined by Scott and Annie Powell, the founders of Camp Wojtyla today on Roadmap to Heaven. Scott and Annie, it is so great to have you with us today. It's so good to be here. Thanks for having us. Uh, thanks, and good, Adam. And good morning to everybody. Yeah. Now, when we say Colorado, I mean, I know up in the mountains, but what part of Colorado are we talking about? Camp Wojtyla is situated, um, what are we, about a 45-minute drive outside of Boulder. That's our closest kind of bigger city, which puts us like an hour and a half outside of Denver. So close enough to a major airport, close enough to kind of all the amenities we need, but far enough out that you really feel like you are absolutely in the middle of nowhere. It's a beautiful piece of property that we use. I love it. So, you know, this is probably not the kind of thing you both woke up one morning and said, hey, you know what would be fun? Let's <laughs> let's start a camp an hour and a half outside of Denver. You know, uh, let's even go past Boulder. Let's just go out to where there is literally nothing and have a camp. How did this all come about? Oh, gosh, it is it is such a beautiful story of the Lord and his providence and what he does in all of our lives. So when I was 15, I went to a youth conference uh, outside of Chicago where I grew up. And the speaker said to write a mission statement for your life, because if you didn't know where you're going, you were going to get lost. So I remember going up to my room and I was 15. So I, I still find this remarkable that the Lord just works so powerfully in our hearts, even at, um, and probably especially at such a young age. So I remember journaling, Lord, what do I, what do I want my mission to be? But more importantly, what do you want my mission to be? And then I remember thinking, I don't really know. <laughs> That's a really big question. So I remember my youth leader saying that the God that God will speak through the desires of our heart. And so I said, okay, that I can break that down a little bit more. And I said, okay, God, what do I love? Lord, what do I love? And I remember listing four things. Uh, God, I love you. 
I love bringing people to you. My youth group was very evangelical. I loved my summer camp experience as a kid. I, I grew up at this wonderful wilderness program uh, in Southern Illinois. And then I loved creation. I grew up South suburbs of Chicago. So for me, getting to creation was a huge treat, something that really made my heart come alive. And uh, my family went out to Colorado for two weeks every summer. So that was my experience of like God's just raw creation. So I remember looking at those four things and it was like the Holy Spirit said, let's play connect the dots. And I read it and I said, Lord, that's what I want to do. I want to bring people to you through creation in a summer camp setting. And I was 15. So I didn't know at all what to do with that huge piece of information that the Lord just gave me this huge desire in my heart. So I just decided I would tell everyone I met when they say, what do you want to do when you grow up? I would just tell them, I want to have a camp that brings kids closer to Christ and in the wilderness. And luckily I met this really uh, handsome fella who had a similar dream and desire grew up in Boulder. Uh, and so that's how the dream came to be. Yeah, we actually met each other when we we got involved very early on in the focus ministry. Um, and so, you know, I, I I had a different experience than Annie, but growing up in Boulder, I, I um, raised a Catholic, but I didn't really understand my faith. But it was in high school that I got involved in a youth group and I got to know these university kids from the University of Colorado who mentored us, led a Bible study, discipled us. And everything that we did was associated, at least in my mind, with the outdoors. We went mountain, we went mountain biking and rock climbing and mountaineering. And so I associated from you know high school on a dynamic relationship with Jesus with really cool adventures in the outdoors, um, which made me later on uh, want to become a focused missionary because I wanted to be that kind of person for other people. Uh, but I never lost the, the tremendous love I have for doing catechesis in the wilderness. So... When we talk about it in the wilderness, and this is a point I want to make sure we get across, you know, this is not camp where you, you go out and you're on, you know, maybe the dirt road or the gravel road, but there's some lodge houses and some bunk houses and a nice dining hall. And, you know, you can go inside and get a rest from the bugs and the mosquitoes. Although I don't know that there are mosquitoes that high up in elevation out in, in Colorado. You, you'll have to tell me about that. This is literally camp outdoors in under the stars in the middle of nowhere. Yes. One of our vision uh, points is that we want to have a thin veil between us and creation. So the campers sleep in teepees and our dining hall, uh, so to speak, is this giant open air tent. Now it's wonderful protection from weather, mm -hmm. but it also has the most incredible view of the most beautiful mountain meadow with peaks behind it and flowers in bloom and the deer coming to eat you know, and we also have mass in that same structure. So uh, not only is mealtime gorgeous, but mass time is just pristinely beautiful. And we always tell the kids if they notice that during mass, it's not just them at mass, but the animals come and gather. Everyone wants to see Jesus. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, now I imagine that if your kids are anything like I was when I was of the camping age, that lasts for a bit. But then it's like, all right, what do we do next? I'm bored. Um, how, <laughs> so walk us through the life of a camper. What's going to happen when the kids are out there? I think bored is something our campers are not. <laughs> uh, we have so many incredible activities that we do. And each activity is not for its own sake. Everything about Camp Boitiwa is very intentional in how we teach and what we do. So we have our Highline course, this which is this incredible, basically for if you, if you don't have a reference, a high ropes course is probably the best reference point. But we have ropes that are 
um, hung between trees and the kids are going through hooked in and harnesses and they are going uh, pushing themselves along this rope, basically swinging tree, tree to tree um, and having to unclip and reclip and do all of these cool, hard things. Um, and they're literally just in the middle of the forest doing this challenging activity. Uh, our campers, uh, they shoot bows and arrows and we have fishing and we go on gorgeous hikes in the mountains. We also go rock climbing. We have something called the Tyrolean Traverse where kids literally jump from one cliff and swing to the next. But don't worry, it's like quadruple redundantly secure. It's like incredible how safe it is. Uh, we go whitewater rafting. Uh, everything that we do is just action packed. Wow. You know, we also offer a bunch of backpacking trips that are purely out in the wilderness. So when we have our kind of base camp programs, um, there is a semblance. I mean, the students often sleep in teepees. We have this kind of big tent for our dining hall. But then we offer also, if that's not enough wilderness for you, we can even go further than that and actually just be in the backcountry for the six or nine days at a time. That's incredible. Let's do this. Let's take a real quick break here because I want to keep this conversation going, but we owe our listeners a break. We're going to come back in just a few minutes and keep talking with Scott and Annie Powell about Camp Waitiwa. Stay tuned. A prayer for the dead. God, our Father, your power brings us to birth, your providence guides our lives, and by your command we return to dust. Lord, those who die still live in your presence. Their lives change, but do not end. I pray and hope for my family, relatives, and friends, and for all the dead known to you alone. In company with Christ, who died and now lives, may they rejoice in your kingdom, where all our tears are wiped away. Unite us together again in one family to sing your praise forever and ever. Amen. If you're just joining us, we've been talking with Scott and Annie Powell from Camp Waitiwa out in beautiful Colorado, just outside of Boulder, a hop, skip, and a jump, or two or three or four. In the mountains, it's it's a, sounds beautiful out there, and I'm kind of thinking, I wish I was in middle school or high school. I'd love to go camping there myself. But Scott and Annie, you know, we're talking about growing in holiness on Roadmap to Heaven today. And I want to come back to something that you said at the beginning of this interview, Annie, that God will speak through the desire of our heart. And I think that's really the incredible thing about this, that in high school, you had this vision. You wanted to bring others closer to our Lord. You wanted to be in nature and you wanted the experience of camp, and you just told everyone you knew, that's what I want to do when I grow up. And you met an amazing man who said, all right, I'm on board with the mission, and that is what you've done. Now, some of our listeners, they're probably not going to start a camp. They're probably not even going to go to a camp this summer, but they're all going to have desires on that heart. And I'm just you know, a little bit curious here this morning. What would you say to our listeners that are looking for that way that they can, you know, live out their vocation and they can grow closer to our Lord by paying attention to that desire in the heart? Well, one thing that I'll say um, that I, I hope is in response to that, but also something you mentioned earlier when we were talking about the wilderness. One of the things that I think we expected to some degree, but I don't think we expected as deeply as we've experienced so we started Camp Waitiwa 16 years ago. So it's been, we've been we've been doing this for a while. And when we started this program, we're, we're mainly aimed at middle school and high school and college students that we serve. But when we started this, I mean, cell phones weren't a huge thing. I mean, they were around, but I don't think smartphones were a big deal. There wasn't social media. We didn't have, and our young people didn't have the absolute and total onslaught of information and voices and influences and pressures and all of the stuff that is constantly barraging us. So part of what has made 
to be honest with you, our job a little bit easier. And um, yeah, I suppose our job a little bit easier is that being so deeply in the wilderness and, and in truth, we're actually not that deep in the wilderness, but it feels like we are, but we have no cell reception and students' phones don't work. We can't get internet, which the, the sheer experience of being unplugged for a little bit is I think step number one in trying to hear God's voice. And so whether you're in the wilderness or not, just the idea, and, and I struggle with this all the time, my wife can attest to that, but just putting my phone down for a little while, you know, even sometimes I'll be in prayer in the morning and I'll have the phone within reach and, you know, I'm so easily distracted if something pops up, but being up at Camp Wojtyla, the, um, the freedom that we actually have and the freedom that these young people, and they've expressed it to us in ways that I don't think they expected. And again, we didn't see this coming 16 years ago of the absolute freedom from all of this stuff, this barrage that's constantly coming. And it's really hard to hear God's voice in the society in which we live because there's so much going on. We're parents. We have three kiddos who are, you know, deeply involved in sports and school and activities and everything else, not to mention all of the onslaught of everything our phones are doing all the time and work. I'm a college professor when I'm not up at camp. And so there's just so much. I don't know how you can actually hear what God is speaking to our hearts unless we find that quiet. And so a lot of what we do at Camp Wojtyla is merely setting the stage and creating an environment where students can actually hear the voice of God just a little bit better. And what I'd add to that is how beauty plays such an important role in our lives. So surrounding yourself with beauty, whether that's just going to a park that's quiet and serene or the beauty of people too, you know, having that Catholic community, what makes Camp Wojtyla so special is we have this joy-filled Catholic community in that beautiful environment. Uh, so it's beauty, beauty, <laughs> the beauty of people and the beauty of, of the wilderness. And so surrounding ourselves with that beautiful community, surrounding ourselves in a beautiful place where that quiet that you were just talking about can exist, where that phone can go away for all of the, the, the to-do list and just go away for a little bit. And the last thing I'll say is we use experiences uh, to teach us more about what God is doing in our lives. And so when we rock climb, whitewater raft, we hike, none of those things are just for their own sake. We use all of those adventures to teach us about who God is, how much he loves us, and how we can know more fully our identity as sons or daughters um, of God the King. And so I would say for anyone, even if they can't go rock climbing, whitewater rafting, we all have experiences in our life every moment of every day. So reflect on those experiences. God, what are you teaching me in this moment? What did I, what was awesome about this experience? What was challenging? Why was that challenging? How can I take what I learned from this experience into another experience? And just reflecting on how God is truly using everything to communicate his love for us and, and showing us how we can grow. And I think that's something everyone everywhere can do. This is such a big deal for us, Adam, because we yeah, we're in Colorado and we have a lot of kids who come from Colorado, but a ton of our kids come from places like St. Louis or Illinois or Texas or Louisiana or California or wherever. And they're going to come to Camp Wojtyla for, you know, about a week in the summer. And then they'll go back to their high school or their home or their university or whatever it is. And they may never climb another 13,000 foot mountain. They may never be on another rock face, but we hope that the, like Annie said, right. For, 
for an experience, we can have cool experiences and we can take them up a mountain and we can go down a cool stretch of white water and they can have a cool experience. But for that experience to become a life changing experience, we actually have to teach the skill of how do I reflect on the things that happened to me so that, yeah, I might not be on this mountain ever again, but when I go back to my high school, there's a lot of hills I have to climb there. And there's a lot of things that I have, there's a lot of summits that I have to scale and I don't know who my allies are going to be or, or what challenges are going to lie or what the boulder field is going to be. But I remember experiencing that on that mountain in Colorado and I didn't feel like I could do it, but I had brothers or I had sisters who had my back. I had guides who were there with me and I realized I'm actually stronger than I think I am. And so to create self-reflectors that can actually do that in every other sphere of life, that, that's the whole point of what we're doing. It's not for just a neat experience on a mountain. It's so that we can see the rest of our lives differently. And that's for everybody. That's not just for kids. I wish we could go on. Actually, I wish we could just go to camp and do the show from yeah. camp. It's, you know, th th that would be beautiful. Maybe we'll have to pack up someday and make that happen. In the meantime, for more information on Camp Waitiwa, you can visit camp-w.com. Now, I know the lottery for registration closed on October 25th, so camp in 2023 may not be on the horizon, but you are accepting. Still try. Still try. Still try. All right. Still try. I'll stand corrected here. And then you're also accepting staff applications Absolutely. as well correct absolutely That's right so if you're a university student or you're a seminarian we have a lot of seminarians who come and work with us um again check out camp-w.com all right in the meantime i look forward to meeting uh the the wonderful folks from camp w when you're in st louis for the seek focus seek conference yeah. and uh, we'll be praying for you please pray for us and after the show today or even during the show today go out and find something beautiful to do. Go somewhere beautiful and just spend some time in the quiet with our Lord. We're going to take another break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. The Memorari to St. Joseph for the Sanctification of Families. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who implored thy help and sought thy intercession was left unaided. Full of confidence in thy power, I fly unto thee and beg thy protection of families. Despise not, O guardian of the Redeemer, my humble prayer, but in thy bounty hear and answer me. Amen. We haven't given the good old Wheel of Fun a spin for our catequiz, so let's see what we can come up with today. All right, it looks like, oh, it looks like we're going to be doing sacraments here. So, oh, this is a fitting question, too, uh, our sacraments question for the month of November. We're, we've been talking about our own mortality this month. In extreme cases of proximity to death, who may validly confer the sacrament of baptism on those who sincerely request it? In extreme cases of proximity to death, who may validly confer the sacrament of baptism on those who sincerely request it? The answer is anyone. And this is a uh, this is a beautiful teaching of the church. I know of a handful of couples um, that have carried a child, knowing that the child probably was not going to live long once delivered, and. Uh, have been able to make arrangements for a priest to be there, sometimes not been able to make those arrangements, but through the uh, th through the teaching of the church, you know, you have a great Catholic doctor or a great Catholic nurse who's there and, and baptizes the baby. Now, I want to be very clear about this. Extreme means extreme. Yesterday, if I would have said, oh, it snowed, 
it's inclement weather. I, I couldn't go to work, right? No, it wasn't inclement. I could I easily made it into work. But how often sometimes do we try to justify to ourselves what extreme means? Um, that said, I also, you know, for Beth and I, it was always important not to delay in having our children baptized. And, you know, um, we were always taught by our physician and, and my wife being a pediatric nurse Six weeks, six to eight weeks is really kind of that period that you, you don't want to be around a lot of people yet because the immune system of the, the baby is developing. But, I mean, once we got to that six-week mark, it, baptism, and if there would have been any question of any possibility of danger, we would have called up our, our priest and said, Father, um, can you baptize our child? The important thing is the sacrament. The, the lunch is nice if you have a lunch afterwards. It's, I love that. You know, we, we always had a nice family gathering afterwards. But the important thing is the sacrament. And there is an ordinary method for the conferral of sacraments. But it's just nice to know that under mercy the church offers this. Um, speaking of proximity to things, at the beginning of the show I mentioned, I can't believe it's already November 16th. Well, I can't believe this either. Sunday is the feast of Jesus Christ, the King, King of the universe, which means a week from Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent. And with the Thanksgiving holiday next week and everything that's going to be going on with that, now might be the time that you want to start getting your Advent supplies together. If you are going to put that Advent wreath out, um, you're pretty much going from Thanksgiving to first Sunday of Advent next week. And you might not want to be rushing around on Friday of next week to get those things. So maybe over the next couple days, start getting things out. You don't have to put them out on the table yet, but kind of keep track. Do you have what you need? Do you need to order new candles? Things like that. Uh, you know me. I don't like to rush around, and I'm going to think of it today, and it's probably going to be next week before I actually get to it, but that's because I thought of it today. Whereas if I think of it next week, it'll be the second Sunday of Advent before we have our wreath up. We're going to take a break here, and uh, when we come back, we'll have the daily dose of encouragement for you. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Prayer to St. Juan Diego of Guadalupe. O St. Juan Diego, in the appearances of Our Lady of Guadalupe, you, a humble peasant, were chosen as her messenger. Your faithfulness in this task is evident still today in the miraculous image the Virgin left upon your tilma. Intercede for me, I pray, that I might have your childlike trust in the Mother of God and that my heart might respond to her maternal promptings. Through such simple confidence, obedience, and love, may I join you one day in sharing everlasting joy where our Heavenly Mother reigns in the glory of her Son. Amen. We are midway through the week for our daily dose of encouragement where we are preparing for death. Patty Schneier is with us today with another thing we must do to prepare for our own death. And some of these are very practical. Today's going to be another very practical suggestion. Sadly, for many adults, they have children who are no longer practicing the faith. And so I want to recommend to you that you spell out, and I mean have it in writing, your desire for a Catholic Mass. I can't tell you how often, and I see this as a cantor in my parish, where, you know, Grandma has been a daily Mass attendant for years, but her children and grandchildren are not practicing the faith, and they don't even want to have a Mass. And the priest and everyone saying, she would want this. She would want this. Well, 
You might need to spell it out. You might actually need to pick out your readings, select your songs. You might need to have this on file at your parish. Give it to your pastor and say, I want this on record at my parish for when my time comes because I'm not sure that my children and my grandchildren are going to know what to do, how to do, and these are my wishes and desires. So I do think it's important for us to think about that um, and make sure that we do prepare to have a Catholic Mass said for us when we pass away. It's so true. And my own experience as a musician in the Catholic Church has even shown that families that do go to Mass and do practice their faith find that relief when their loved one has made all of these preparations, it takes a lot of the stress off of them during a very difficult time. So, Patty, this is a great encouragement for us today. I'm often curious, what's your favorite Thanksgiving side dish. I mean, I know we all pretty much have turkey on Thanksgiving, but what are the side dishes you love? For me, it's cheesy potato casserole. I love a good cheesy potato casserole with the the, the cornflakes on top. Oh, it doesn't get any better than that. But, you know, I was thinking about side dishes last night as I was preparing dinner at our house, and sometimes they can be quite tedious. Other times, well, they're pretty easy, but sometimes they are a lot of work to put together, whether it's letting that bread uh, rise before in proof before you bake the rolls, uh, whether it's letting that bread get stale so you can make the dressing. Uh, sometimes there are a lot of steps involved. And, you know, I know many of us are going to be getting together with family next week to celebrate Thanksgiving holiday, and how many of us have family members that were once part of the church and for whatever reason have fallen away or stepped away, and we pray for them to come back to the church? Well, perhaps while we are working on those tedious tasks, very quietly, just in our own hearts, we could pray for each of those family members. Maybe we're incredibly blessed that all of our friends and family and loved ones that we're gathering with next week coming together uh, do practice their faith. And in fact, everyone will be going to Mass on Thursday morning before gathering as a family for Thanksgiving dinner. Well, maybe then together as a family while preparing the meal, pray for one another or pray for those especially who have no one to pray for them. Pray for those who are going to go without on Thanksgiving Day. I get so focused on, oh, what are we going to eat? What are all the delicious foods? And then I forget about those who suffer in the world, those who go without food, those who rely on the food pantries and the soup kitchens for their food. One of my fondest Thanksgiving memories was my freshman year of high school. My dad took me down to my high school who, you know, the, the priest had organized a service day and we bagged up Thanksgiving dinners with fresh carved turkey, side dishes, rolls, bread, butter, cutlery, the, everything you would need, Thanksgiving dinner in a box, and it was through the Father's Club, and what a great gift of service that was. If you're looking for something, you know you know the kids are going to be off school for a few days, and what, am I, what are we going to do? Maybe there's a service opportunity at your parish. Maybe there's a service opportunity at a nearby shelter or soup kitchen or food pantry to help with something like this. Uh, go to Mass in the morning. It was great. We had Mass, and then we went down to the school cafeteria, and we, we did this. Um, do something like that. Spend time with friends and family. It's hard to believe Thanksgiving's a week from tomorrow, but then again, it's not. We're in that time of year that we get ready for it. So whatever you do, let's make the day a day of prayer, a day of gratitude, a day perhaps of service. And save me some cheesy potato casserole because, well, 
I, I don't think I'll be showing up at your Thanksgiving dinner, but just in case, just in case, that would be a wonderful thing. You know, um, I want to thank you for being with us today. We've got some wonderful stuff coming up tomorrow on the show as well. Like I said, Father Wade Menezes is going to be with us talking about purgatory. It's one of those things that as much as I know, there's always still more to learn. So tune in for that tomorrow morning. In the meantime, let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of all saints, pray for us. Saint Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, thanks to Doug Berry and to Scott and Annie Powell. Whether you're going camping next summer or not, let's all climb that mountain of faith together. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thank you so much for listening to Roadmap to Heaven this morning. And do not forget to pray your rosary today.